Good morning, everybody. Buenos dias. I got a better response in Spanish. That's a good sign. We are starting a new series for this summer. Even though summer is not here, for many of us, as a university town, summer is here. So we decided to continue with our studies in a very similar way as we did previously. Remember that we studied the letter to, from James? And we mentioned that James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. Well, guess what? Now we're going to study Proverbs of the Old Testament. And through the summer, we're going to have different people coming and preach. This is a wonderful opportunity to invite new faces, new voices, and sharing the same Bible so we can be encouraged by learning through the different topics that this letter will teach us. I had to confess something. Preaching Proverbs is not an easy thing. I love linear thinking in some ways. I love narrative. I love stories. I love something that can build from one idea to the next one. But I'm not really excited when I had to go through a book that today is talking about, you know, um, laziness, and tomorrow we'll talk about wisdom, and the next chapter we'll talk about sex, and the next chapter is talking about love and humbleness, and then go back to money, and I mean, it's just jumping everywhere. Oh, in some way, I had to confess, I was thinking, Lord, how, I wish I can, I can get all these different subjects and organize in such a way that I can put everything that talks about money here, everything that talks, that talks about sex over here, everything that talks about work over here. But then I was thinking, who am I to think that I'm better than the Holy Spirit? He orchestrated that way. He inspired that way. And it's a bumpy road. And it's a, really a serpentine road. And we're going to have fun just going from one place to the other one and learning a lot about we're not going to cover the entire book, but we're going to cover the main themes of this book. So bear with us and enjoy the ride. It's going to be bumpy, but very exciting. Are you ready for the adventure? Amen. I'm so glad you are ready. A father who wanted to teach his three children about life, he gave each child a seed. And he asked them, you need to take this seed, plant it, nurture it, take care of it, and when it grows, you bring me the plant that you are going to get through this seed to me. So the three kids were obedient. The first child, Jimmy, he turned to Google because he wanted to know for sure how to plant a seed, how to make the best of the nurturing of that seed. So he collected a lot of information. And he actually was exhausted, the research that he made, compiling a thorough report of optimal seed growth, but didn't plant the seed. He was too busy researching. Second child, Sarah, she decided to ask information through all her contacts and followers on social media. And she asked everybody to give their opinion how to plant a seed and produce the best results. And she got a vast amount of advice. But also, Sarah failed to grow the seed. It was the youngest child, Lucy, 
who quietly and patiently nurtured her seed in the garden. He watered the seed, he was talking to it, and sometimes singing to the seed and waiting patiently until she saw the flourishing of a plant. She brought it to her dad and showed the final result. Well, the father used this illustration to teach each one of them that having knowledge or information is not enough. What truly matters is the wisdom to apply that knowledge effectively. Nurturing with patience and with care. And that, brothers and sisters, in a nutshell, is what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's not a complicated book. It's a very practical book. It's not a book of promises. It's a book of precepts. It shows us a lot of wisdom from different people who are wise, sages of the ancient world. But they are relevant to today. It doesn't promise anything, but it's telling us, giving us the guardrails that we need to keep walking in the right path. That story that I just mentioned to you about this father and the three children reminds me what the British poet T.S. Eliot, Eliot profoundly questioned one time. He said, where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Yes, we are living in what commonly is called the information age. We got it in our fingertips. You Google it, and I don't know how they're going to use the word. You shout GPT here, and you find information that you want. It's right there for you. And you will have a lot. Yes, we're living in the information age, but we are far from experiencing the age of wisdom. We have a lot of smart people, but they're full because they don't know what to do with that much information. They know how to fix a flat tire, they just simple, never fix a flat tire. But they know how to do it because they Google it. Many individuals excel in handling computers, but struggle to apply those skills toward achieving success in their personal lives. While computers can store a lot of information, they can process a lot of data, they lack of the capacity to import the wisdom necessary for utilizing such knowledge effectively. What really is missing today is not more knowledge, but wisdom. To know how to apply that knowledge in our lives. So let's face it, knowledge is good but it's not enough to meet life's problems. You might have a PhD who knows a lot of his research, but they don't know how to solve a marital issue, or how to deal with the children who are facing a lot of struggles with their sexual identity. You have seminarians who got a PhD 
and honors graduating from the most, much better seminaries you can imagine. But in the reality, they might have the tools, but they don't know how to help a person who just lost a loved one. Knowledge is not everything. But that knowledge applied into daily practical tasks can bring us the wisdom that God wants us to have. And he provides for us a way to get it. How? By studying this wonderful book, the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, therefore, is the ability to handle life with skill. This is another way that we can call wisdom, skill. We need to learn how to be skillful. Where we can find that quality? Right here. The book of Proverbs provides guidance on obtaining and applying divine wisdom. And that's the main idea for today. It helps us to establish priorities. It helps us to establish principles. Not offering a quite small cut in the road or a quick route to wealth with formulas and everything, but it's providing for us a constant road with a lot of hindrances, but the patience enough to find the answers that we need. This book will tell you not how to make a living, but how to be skillful in the lost art of making a life. It's not gonna prepare you for your wedding night, but may prepare you for your marriage if you pay closer attention. So if you wanna become wiser, open your Bibles in the book of Proverbs. These sayings will sharpen our minds, quicken our thoughts, and provide insight into life mysteries. Proverbs chapter one. The first proverb that we're gonna read, read today, the first seven verses actually are for us the preamble of the entire book. Those seven verses in the first chapter will tell us how the rest of the book will work. It's like an, a, a practical outline. And we're gonna camp in those seven verses. So if you open your Bibles, Proverbs chapter one, verses one through seven, and what we're gonna find here, we're gonna find four things, so you need to remember. You wanna learn about the title of the book. You are going to learn about the theme of the book. We're going to learn about the purpose of the book. And finally, we're gonna learn about its foundation, the theological foundation of this book. So title, theme, purpose, and foundation. Are you ready with the four things? You brought your notebook or you brought your pen, be ready to get those four points that we're gonna start today. First, let's study the title. The Proverbs of Solomon. Verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The word Proverbs is actually a word that is um, in Greek, even though it's in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word is different. The Hebrew word is pronounced in a different way. It's mashal. And in Hebrew, that word means parable or comparison or similitude. 
But Proverbs is a word that is taken, it's a compound word that is taken from the Latin. Pro, which means instead of or on behalf of, and verba, which means words, speech. So this is a short statement that takes the place of many words. It's a short sentence that will teach us a wider and more wide truth. So Proverbs, in our English word or Spanish words as well, proverbios, is a compound word that is teaching us something. For instance, there is a proverb that you probably know. Short reckonings make long friendships. That's a proverb. Because that implies that with more power than a lecture on forgiving your friends illustrate for you that truth. But it's a short sentence that is teaching you something wider. You probably are familiar with this other one that you hear a teacher in your high school years that normally when everybody was talking and murmuring, she basically says, empty barrels make the most noise. And everybody was quiet after that. So that's what a parable, those are short sayings full of wisdom that is teaching us a deeper truth that we need to study. Proverbs summarized in a few words practical truth relating to some aspects on the everyday life. One of the problems that we have in the Western world that we live in, and also in the Greek world, is when we see a person who is so intelligent, we say that that person is wise. But then we realize that many times this person, he will be so intelligent, but he becomes unwise. The problem with that point of view, with the Hebrew understanding of wisdom is different. For the Hebrews understanding that somebody is wise, there is no way that you can behave differently by wisely. Every person that is called himself or herself wise will behave wisely. There is no other option. But in our world, the way that we see it, we might know a lot of smart people who are behaving not wise or are not making wise decisions, right? So a proverb is a short phrase that helps us to see things in a different way. One of my favorite writers, a Spanish novelist, Miguel de Cervantes, defined proverb as a short sentence based on a long experience. The concise and potent proverbs prompt us to ponder, to realize that th there is a meaning, there is an insight that I need to glean, there is a guidance for my life, my practical life, what I, what I understand from here. So the book of Proverbs, and this is my goal for you, that at the end of this presentation today, you would like to open this book and start reading it daily. It's so interesting to know that this is one of those books that has a bad reputation for the church. They don't read it. They get bored. They don't understand it. So my goal is that you will learn something today that will encourage you to start reading it starting today. So the concise of these proverbs is succinct and simple, expresses the vertical wisdom for our horizontal living.
is vertical wisdom coming from God through his word in our horizontal living. The way that we need to exercise that wisdom toward the people that we relate with. So even though Proverbs are ancient, they're relevant to today. Modern times see the decline on the use of these Proverbs because this is a lot of words and a lot of rhymes and a lot of confusion. Sometimes it's poems, sometimes it's verses, sometimes it's contradictions, sometimes it's a complementing. And that's exactly the Hebrew poetry. This is a literature that is called wisdom literature. That's the section of the Bible that we know as wisdom literature. Beginning in Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs included, Together with those books, we're talking about a special kind of literature that we need to pay attention so we don't get lost into what we're reading. So the book of Proverbs stands from other books because it's mostly composed of different points and parables and, and questions and primarily come in couplets, pairs of ideas presented together these couplets are categorized as contrasting couplets and comparative couplets. The contrasting couplets present different ideas in the same line, while the complementing couplets is just complement the idea of the line before. We also have comparative couplets to serve as an illustration through the comparison. The words like, Words like this, like if it's this, is the end. So we will see it through the book. Proverbs often embedded themselves in the reader's mind to make it easy for him or her to, to remember what they're reading. Just, just listen, our brother Samuel quoted one of those Proverbs a while ago. As iron sharpened iron, so a man has to sharpen another man. There's nothing better than a friend who loves us, especially in times of sorrow. So there are many proverbs that it can be your favorite ones as you read it, because it brings some comfort as we think it. But just remember, not necessarily a proverb is a promise. You know, we have a saying in Spanish that the dog that barks don't bite. That's not true. Sometimes a dog that barks bites. But generally, it's not happening, right? So it's important that you have that in mind when you read Proverbs. We're not talking about promises. We're talking about precepts, wisdom for the daily living, daily life. The book of Proverbs addresses 180 types of people and covers a diverse type of topics like youth and discipline, family life, self-control, temptation, business matters, money, speech, words, etc. Who wrote this book? Well, I'm glad you asked because the verse number one of chapter number one is telling us, Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. But he is not the only one who wrote these Proverbs, even though he wrote more than 3,000 Proverbs. Not all of them are here in this book. He was the one compiling all these sayings, and even after his death, somebody else, King Hezekiah, continue adding to this book. So 
Just as we associate the law with Moses and David with the Psalms, we also associate wisdom with Solomon because he was the wisest man on earth. God gave him that wisdom, remember? He was a man of prayer. He was a son of David. He was a king. In a moment when God offered him, I see how you pray. I see how you communicate with me. I see your heart. Ask for anything and I will grant it to you. And the only thing that he asked to God was, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. And God was so pleased that he asked for that and not everything else in material ways that God make him the wisest man on earth. Besides, he gave him everything that you can imagine in material things, kingdom. But he was not the only one who was writing this uh, Proverbs. Along with him, when you read chapter 30, you see a name, an individual name, Agur, Agur. And then in verse, in chapter 31, you see King Lemuel, and he learned from his mother a lot of stuff, and he wrote it there. So Solomon ruled during the Israel Golden Age in the 10th century BC, and he was known for his love for God, for his wisdom, for his wealth. But, however, his life also was not without pitfalls. He was wise. Let me say that. Let me repeat it. He was very smart, very knowledgeable, but many times, even though he was wise, he did a lot of unwise decisions. Despite his abundant wealth, power, and knowledge, Solomon fell prey to the excess. He tried everything, leading to a downfall. This life, Solomon's life, serves as a lesson that worldly wisdom and knowledge cannot replace the humble and daily walk with God. We need that wisdom that comes from God. But these proverbs, written by Solomon, are insights gleaned from his own life, condensed into a potent statement akin to the veins of gold in the currency talk. The proverbs of Solomon are reflections of eternal wisdom showcased through human genius. Those lies that you see in a diamond that you can see the shiny diamond because it's placed on a dark background. That's how we see the Proverbs. So the ultimate source of wisdom we know in Proverbs telling us is coming from God. Christ himself said in Matthew 12, 42, Behold, greater than Solomon is here. Referring to him, he is the wisdom of God. He is the knowledge of God. We value what we find here. But we don't credit everything that happened here just to Solomon. It's like we don't, we don't credit the instrument, but the one who's playing the instrument for the beautiful song that we hear playing. So we don't credit the pen for the beautiful writing that the writer is is doing. We, we credit the writer. So light comes not from a lamp, but from a spark in the field. The same way that the picture comes not from a brush, but from the painter who's painting that picture. The same way 
the words of wisdom are coming and dispensed by God. It is him the one we're thanking. And it's him that we're invited to ask. James told us, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He's not going to be upset. Just ask him, and he gladly will give you the wisdom that you need so you can accomplish the daily grind or task for the daily living. He is willing to do that. So these phrases will enhance our thinking, sharpening our minds. So it's encouraging to see that. Proverbs, though, there are simple ways to express the vertical wisdom for the horizontal living distilled from the word of God. Number two, we talk about the title, we talk about the author. Now let's talk about the theme. What is the theme of this book? I'm glad you asked. Verse two, give you the answer. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. So the theme is attaining wisdom. We need to learn wisdom. The term wisdom plays a crucial role in the book of Proverbs, appearing 125 times. One of the main goals of Proverbs is to help the readers to understand and apply the wisdom into their lives. The original Hebrew term is chokmah, which signifies skill or craftsmanship. The term is, was initially used to describe individuals with very skilled in crafts like uh, building, waving, and carving. Over time, chokmah involved the, to me in, in applying knowledge, skillful knowledge, into everyday circumstances of life. So the idea is that you can learn the skills that you need for everything that you face every day. Wisdom in Proverbs is about not a necessarily a theoretical knowledge, but discernment to be able to understand what is behind what we only see with our own eyes, making informed decisions, distinguishing right from wrong, and understanding good from evil. We don't have much problem understanding, identifying good from evil. When we have a difficulty, is to understand what is good to what is better. What is what we decide that is good and what is what God decides that is better for us. And this kind of wisdom help us to always prefer what is better according to God's will. Wisdom serves as a guiding force aligning us with God's principles and priorities. But also, the book of Proverbs also provides us instruction this instruction teaches principles and priorities that goes beyond intellectual enlightenment. It, it involves training and this discipline for that fostering of skills that we need to learn. The Hebrew term for instruction is musar, indicates that guidance is necessary to walk with God in his path, under his restraint, control under his direction. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He is the one guiding us. He is the one instructing us. He is the one providing the wisdom so we can understand that he is the one controlling our lives. So Proverbs offer the insights that we need to learn about life lessons. But what is the purpose? Number three, 
The purpose is important wisdom. We understand that the theme is that we can attain wisdom, but the purpose is that that wisdom can be expressed horizontally toward other individuals. We need to impart wisdom with other men and women. Verse 3 through 6 is teaching us that. It's giving us right there, one by one, what is the different aspect of this purpose. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Through wisdom is more than intellectual and enlightenment. It embodies wise behavior, righteousness, fairness. It's not just about understanding the reality, but achieving moral excellence. It's not enough when you know what is right. It's important that you do what is right. Because many people know what is right, and it has will. It's just that sometimes we are not doing what is right. No matter how steep you are in your science or philosophy, you are unwise if you don't practice the righteousness, the justice, and the fairness that God is teaching us in his word. One of the gurus in management, Peter Drucker, emphasized this, the importance of focusing on effectiveness, doing the right thing, over efficiency, which is doing the right thing, is the difference. So doing the right thing over doing things right. These principles apply not only in business, but it's also in our daily life. Solomon's Proverbs were written to guide us towards wisdom. We're walking toward wisdom. He is helping us. He is tracing the track. He's, he's showing us the guardrails. He's saying, walk toward wisdom. Don't deviate from that path. Wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. So through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can say what is right and how to do it according to God's will. But in verse 4 and 5, Proverbs offers insights to different readers. All of us are included, not just the old ones, the Asian not just the babies. Everybody's included. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Um, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So the naive, the young, the wise, and those with understanding. It can offer prudence to the ones who are new. Protecting them from misleading influences. For the young, Proverbs offers knowledge and, and a discerning spirit, a discerning heart in the decision making. We can either learn from life experiences or we can learn from the word of God. And God will prefer for us to learn from his scriptures, to learn from experiences, yes, when we're doing it according to his will, and for godly people that come alongside us and are telling us the truth, even though that truth is hard to hear. So continuous learning is a hallmark of a wise person. You're never too smart not to learn something new every day. If you are open, a baby can teach you a truth, a wise truth in your life. If you are open to learn from a baby, 
from an elderly, from whoever, from a well-educated, from a less educated. God is always trying to show you what is what you need to learn. So may we aware of the wisdom being offered because they are either inattentive or too engrossed and we need to see the difference. So we need to continue growing. Growth is not automatic. You need to do it every single day. You need to add every single day. Being young happens once, but being immature <laughs> can persist indefinitely. That's true. There is a new saying that I just learned, that the ignorant doesn't know that he is ignorant, and the same apply to the stupid. But let me move. Growth today means success tomorrow. Today's sowing predicts tomorrow's reaping. But growth also is your responsibility. No, my responsibility is your responsibility. Sometimes we blame others because they are not teaching us. We blame our parents because they didn't taught us. We blame the, 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 the professor because they didn't taught us. We, we blame the pastor because he didn't teach us. No, we do our part, but you do the best, important, most important part. You need to be willing to grow. You need to be willing to put yourself in a position that you can receive what you need to continue growing. Verse 6, Solomon is challenging us as readers to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the riddles. True learners are interpreters of the word. The profound trust of God, including proverbs, the wise words, the riddles, need interpretation. That's why you need to study the Bible, not just listen to the Bible study. You need to spend time with a dictionary, with a commentary. You need to spend time with the Bible so you can learn, you can glean. That's part of your contribution in your own spiritual growth. That's what he's saying here in verse 6. The ultimate goal of learning should be to know God better and love him more and become more like him day by day as you gain wisdom every day. Finally, the foundation. So we started the title, Proverbs, the author, Solomon. We started the theme, Attain Wisdom. We started the purpose, to impart wisdom. And now, what is the foundation? What is the theological foundation? The fear of the Lord. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this fundamental truth upon which this book is grounded is that the pursuit of wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Without this reverence, no one can attain genuine wisdom. Why? That means that I need to be afraid of God? No, but yes. Let me explain to you why. In God's perspective, man is a sinner who, by rebelling against his revealed will, deserves eternal separation, death. Those who understand this fear won't be strangers to God's word and his family. They will earnestly will seek God's mercy, plead for forgiveness and purification, and place their faith solely in Jesus' sacrificial atonement on the cross for their sins. That's the fear that is implying here. Implies respect for the rightful authority there is God in our lives. God is the supreme authority over all. Wisdom springs from a submissive reverence toward God, acknowledging his greatness 
when his majesty and holiness is revered, lives are lived in a compliance with his divine will. For many, God is the afterthought, sadly to say, rather than the primary consideration, leading to a lack of concern and totally the opposite of fearing reverently God. They create their own God, which is themselves, trusting in their own knowledge instead of the knowledge of the Lord. So this fear of the Lord is the starting point of true knowledge that leads to wisdom. Thus, Satan might have intellectual knowledge, true knowledge, spiritual knowledge about oneself, the universe, eternity, Christ and humanity only can come from God. And you need to look for that knowledge that comes from God. So many claim belief in God, but at the same time, they show that they don't fear God. They fear men more than God because they want to please men instead of pleasing God. But God wants us to please him, to fear him, to follow him. Solomon candidly describes those who deny God through speech, attitude, and action, fools, despite wisdom and instruction. So their way is excluding God from their own lives, trying to manage themselves. They claim to believe in God, but they believe in other people because they are not doing what God asked them to do. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. On the other hand, the wisdom exceeds our expectation. Wisdom is personified by a woman, a lady, lady wisdom. While she warns that her paths are hard and that demands our respect and discipline, she promised a reward with freedom, security, and joy if we continue following her and pursuing her. Wisdom jewels are the wasted, are wasted to those with no heart for them. The journey of wisdom, even though it's challenging, is rewarding for those who follow. In summary, this message, this introductory message to the book of Proverbs is urging us to adopt a daily routine of engaging with the book of Proverbs. Do you know how many Proverbs do we have in this book? 31. Do you know how many days the month normally has? 31, there are a few with 30. So I will encourage you, starting today, you will start again reading Proverbs chapter 1. And tomorrow, you will read Proverbs chapter 2. And keep going and keep going. Every day you will read a proverb. That will, that will be your daily recipe, your daily medicine to acquire that wisdom God promised. Every day read one proverb. And then when you are in a month that has only 30 days, read two the last day of that month. And then start all over again. And I will challenge you. And I will do the same. Let's come back. Let's talk when we finish this series in a couple of months and see what is going on in your life. It's not a promise, but it's a beautiful thing that happens when we submit ourselves to be guided by God in a daily pursuit of his wisdom. As we nurture these seeds of wisdom through the consistent reading, pondering, and applying, we're not merely acquiring information. We're growing in wisdom, applying knowledge effectively, just like Lucy did with a little seed planted in the corner of the garden. This daily interaction with God wisdom doesn't just lead into intellectual growth. It triggers a transformative process. 
So this challenge of engaging with Proverbs, one proverb a day will keep the devil away. I just made it up. <laughs> Becomes an invitation to a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the perfect embodiment of the divine wisdom because he himself declared, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So his truth liberates us from the world and introduces us to a new family blessed with the mind of Christ, guiding us toward a new enlightened direction. So even so, some of us, despite knowing Christ, might still find ourselves making unwise decisions every day that create chaos in our lives. Today is a good day to start all over again. Today's appeal to you is to relinquish control and submit to the authority and the wisdom of Christ. To make it your vision. To make it the path that you follow. So your eyes can be positioning him. And there will be a wonderful song that you're going to be hearing today as a closing of this sermon. And I would like for you to listen to those words carefully and make it your own prayer as we close this sermon and we start this series. As we prepare to sing this wonderful hymn, let's use this moment to reflect. The wisest decision that you could make today could be publicly expressing your faith in Jesus Christ. Our church family is here, ready to and willing to support you. You never trust in Jesus Christ as your son and savior, let me tell you. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ and he's here, willing to guide you to the right path. If you need more information, we're gonna be here. Our leaders are gonna be here. We would like to tell you how you can establish that relationship with Jesus Christ today to make it your vision, to follow his path. We must remember that as we learn today, when we stray from wisdom, we are distancing ourselves from Christ. So as we bow our heads, as we pray, and then we sing, let's contemplate the wisdom that we're called to walk with and the harmonious melody of life that we're invited to partake. And we will do it in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, grant us the grace to walk in the way of wisdom. And that way of wisdom is Jesus. He was the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. May we learn from him. May we learn from your word. May we learn from observing your creation. And through the counsel of godly people, Father, these people that you have placed in our lives, help us to live this wisdom for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus, who we declare today he can be our vision. And in his vision, Father, we follow. And everybody says,